Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. A lot of stuff to get into on the podcast today. A lot of movie news in regards to some of the big franchises that are out there right now. I'm going to be getting into some news regarding the John Wick spinoff that is beginning to film right now. I'm also going to be getting into some news regarding Indiana Jones and the future of that franchise, along with some Star Wars news and a trending trailer for what should be a particularly interesting biopic coming out at the end of this year. And also, I want to get into, as I usually like to do at the midway point of the week, the weekend preview. And of course, there's a lot of stuff to get into that is coming out this weekend, particularly a pretty big MCU film that is probably going to make some waves in the tail end of this year and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to start off with on the podcast today, as I usually like to do on Wednesdays or on Thursdays, if I'm not able to do it today, is usually talk about the latest episode for from a Disney Plus show that is out there. And of course, over the last month, month and a half or so, that has been the Star Wars show Andor. And I've been singing the praises of this show from the very beginning. I've absolutely adored this show. I think it is the best Star Wars show, hands down, even better than The Mandalorian, which in its own right is an amazing Star Wars show and did a lot to kind of reboost and revitalize the Star Wars franchise and its fan base. But Andor is just on a whole nother level and is the kind of prestigious Star Wars team TV that I was kind of hoping Disney and Lucasfilm would kind of jump into when Star Wars was going to make the the move to Disney Plus as well. And Tony Gilroy and his entire writing team, the directors that have been on this project, have done an outstanding job. And episode 10 just continues to deliver on that. And this is going to be a non-spoiler review for the 10th episode of season one of Andor, which is titled One Way Out. And this episode was everything I wanted to be. And concludes what I think is the best mini arc to come from this show so far. Other than the seventh episode, every single one has kind of been this little mini journey that we've been going on that is encompassed within this overarching kind of story about the beginnings of the rebellion within the Star Wars universe. And this episode just, I think, was the true spark into seeing how the rebellion was really kind of formed. And it just delivered on great acting abilities from people like, of course, Diego Luna, who is been killing on the show, Stellan Skarsgård. There's reasons why you get these actors to be in these shows, why they are who they are, and the reason that they're able to perform at such a high level. But really kind of the big star, and it's been, he's been the big star since the eighth episode when this entire arc began, is Andy Serkis. And the man just can showcases, again, why he is also a brilliant actor outside of the mocap suit. And he's already the master of motion capture within the roles of Caesar and Gollum and King Kong. But just when you see him do the things that he does, whether it's in show, movies like The Batman, or just kind of doing his own acting abilities. He is a great performer, and I think these three episodes just continue to showcase that. I would kind of put him up there as kind of being an an Emmy-nominated actor as a guest-starring role in this show when it comes to award season. It's just the things that he's especially able to do in this episode, the way that he's able to just kind of move you and, and showcase, I think, what a lot of these people are kind of going through and how you sympathize with a lot of these prisoners in these episodes is incredible and I think the chemistry between him and Diego Luna is fantastic. Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma has been absolutely fantastic and the way that that storyline is kind of progressing is very interesting. So all these different storylines 
are kind of reaching this pinnacle and I'm excited to see where they go in these final two episodes and I just think it's this this entire season I'm very excited to kind of go back and binge and I haven't really felt that way with a lot of the Star Wars shows even with a lot of the Marvel shows I really haven't felt that I want to kind of go back and watch every single one of these episodes but I want to do that with Andor and I think I would get a better viewing experience than I've already even had watching and and I still enjoy every single episode that I watch on a weekly basis but something about just watching this show from from the first episode to the finale in a a couple weeks is going to be very very interesting to do so it's one that I'm probably going to give it a few weeks after the finale airs but I'm going to probably do a a binge throughout every single one of these episodes because I just think the way that they build up the tension and they build up the story in each and every single one of these episodes has been absolutely stellar and I can't wait that we're getting a season two I think Tony Gilroy has brought something new and different that is needed within the Star Wars universe and I know some people might not be on the popularity train or really like what Andor is doing but I I just think that you need some kind of new blood you need some new material within the Star Wars universe, even though things like Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan are are awesome and fun, it's stuff like this that I think is able to elevate the material of Star Wars in a really incredible, different, new kind of a way. And I'm really excited to see what they're able to do. I'm excited to see how this is all going to kind of come to a head, how Andor's journey as this kind of scavenger turned rebellion kind of continues, especially as we get to, I think, this turning point of where the character is going to be kind of ending off on from the first season into the second season and where that's all going to go. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this is all going to end, but a great finale, kind of mini finality to this mini arc that we've gotten within episode 8 through 10. It's my favorite bunch of the episodes so far. Just great emotion, great action, great tension. You really It, it shows that even within three episodes, you care for all these characters that are involved within what happens within this episode and it's just a credit against the writing and everything that's going on. So what did you guys think about episode 10 of Andor? Did you enjoy it? Did you not? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts on it. And now moving on from the review corner, but staying within a galaxy far, far away. There was some news yesterday that actually came out in regards to a potential new Star Wars project that isn't set within the TV universe, but actually within the film sphere of Star Wars. And over the last couple weeks, there's been a lot of kind of news developing within the film slate of Star Wars. Obviously, a couple days ago, we finally got official confirmation on one of the new shows from Star Wars with the Acolyte. A few weeks ago, we got more details in regards to what will potentially be the next Star Wars film which is being written by Damon Lindelof and his writing staff and they already have a director there kind of set up and now it seems like Lucasfilm and Disney are set, are looking to explore new avenues with movies and this is an official confirmation from them but this comes over from the folks from Deadline who according to them there are no details on the specifics of this particular movie but it does seem like they have found a director and that is one of the people that is in very high demand now nowadays, not just within film, but also in TV, and that is one Mr. Sean Levy, who if you've heard that name before, especially in today, nowadays, he's very popular, somebody who's worked on all four seasons
seasons of Stranger Things as a director of two episodes of each season. He, of course, this past year directed the incredible episode four that was kind of the the performance platform for Sadie Sink of season four, episode four of Stranger Things. So he was a big proponent and the director behind that one. And of course, a few years, not even a few years ago, but in 2021, he directed Free Guy, which was with Ryan Reynolds. He also directed The Adam Project this year, but he's got some really interesting films coming up in the horizon. He, of course, is directing episode two episodes of the final season of Stranger Things, and he's also going to be the director of the new Deadpool film that is set to come out in 2024. And you probably you probably think to yourself, well, how is he going to be able to juggle all those projects together? Well, apparently, it seems like right now, the two main focuses are going to be on filming Deadpool 3 and the two episodes of the finale for Stranger Things, and then he's going to be working on this latest Star Wars project. So again, that's all really kind of the information that came from Mike Fleming and Justin Kroll over at Deadline, and it's... I think it's an interesting hire. It's a really good hire for right now. Whether this actually happens is the bigger question. I think that is the big overall question when it comes to Star Wars overall, especially on the film side, is you you don't believe that these things are actually going to come to fruition, that they're actually going to happen because Star Wars fans have been burned on the film side for years now, whether it's because of the Benoff and, and Weiss stuff with, with the trilogy that they were going to do, but... There are creative differences with Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm, and so that deal disintegrated. Same thing with Patty Jenkins and and Lucasfilm with Rogue Squadron. They announced at the Disney Investor Day, but nothing happened. It seemed on that front. It seemed like, at least right now, they, they still say it could happen down the line, but it seems all likely not that that film is not going to see the light of day. That project's never going to happen. Taika Waititi's film, still in the docket right now, but no release date given for that film. So there's just all these announcements that have come just haven't come to fruition. So I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, it's more cautiously optimistic than excitement about this. But And the thing, however, though, to be cautious about is that these, the past, when it comes to when, when it comes to what what's happened over the last couple of weeks, whether it's about the, the new film from the, the Watchmen creators, when it comes to what's happening now with with Sean Levy, with, with the Damon Lindelof project, this, it's, it's all coming from the trade. It's not coming from actually Lucasfilm. They have neither confirmed nor denied any of this stuff. So even though it seems like it's the same old thing where they're hiring people to direct this stuff without any instance of what the story could be, maybe there is something there that we just don't know about. And Lucasfilm might be taking the direction of keeping things under the radar right now, working on these projects. And then when there's actually something, some meat on the bones, then they have a script in place. They have story characters then they announce the project say that they go into principal photography and then that's a better start than they have been in over the last couple of years so again it's cautiously optimistic but again it's if it was lucasfilm announcing this and it wasn't the trades then i would say this is the same old lucasfilm same old kathleen kennedy hasn't learned their lessons but i think they have learned their lessons and the fact that the trades that it's taken this long for the trades to get on the star wars beat and and really pry these kind of informations and details out, showcase that Lucasfilm was trying to put a cover on it and try to kind of clamp down on making sure that they have something to show fans before they actually announce them. So again, if this actually happens, who knows? It doesn't seem like it would probably be happening 
for a long time given the slate that Sean Levy has on his plate right now. Again, Deadpool 3 isn't coming out till 2024, so he's going to be working on that until that point. And then, of course, within that time frame, he's probably going to be working on his two episodes of the final season of Stranger Things. So at best, he probably doesn't start working on directing at least the next Star Wars film until... 2025 the the earliest and latest maybe for maybe getting to that 2027 release date that they have docketed for them so that could be when that star wars film comes out again just going by the track record and trajectory of what project sean levy has coming up on, on his on his slate right now because again deadpool 3 that's gonna be uh, he's gonna have all of all of his attention directed towards that so it, it's gonna be a little bit till we even probably get this star wars film but again just going off of the trades the reports Sean Levy right away just looking at it I think that's a really good hire he knows how to make big blockbuster fair he's again from TV big big blockbuster material working with big stars big IPs and also just original IP and creating big successes again free guy I think he did a good job with the Adam project and again going to the a bigger stage now in the MCU with Deadpool 3 I think he's going to do some really good things on there as well so I think this is a really good hire just on the merit I think Sean Levy has proven himself that he can take on a big project in a galaxy far, far away. What do you guys think about Sean Levy taking on a Star Wars film? Are you excited about it, or is it just more of a wait-and-see approach at this point, especially when it comes to the film verse of a galaxy far, far away? Let me know what you think down below, and leave your thoughts in the comment section below of this podcast. And the next thing that I want to get into now is to another universe that is kind of set to kick off in these next couple of years, and that is is these spin-off projects coming from the John Wick universe and we haven't really got a whole lot of details on this film spin-off that has kind of been coming from John Wick of course the the three installments from the main John Wick film saga have been huge hits this kind of I've said it before this unprecedented franchise that has kind of become the John Wick universe if you were to kind of go back and talk to the directors Chad Stahelski David Leach of the first film Keanu Reeves Lionsgate they would probably would have told you anybody who said this is going to be a huge success that's going to spin off a TV show and now a movie that they would have been out of their minds and apparently that person would have been right because that is exactly what has happened with this franchise we're going to be getting a fourth film of John Wick coming out next year there's been reports that a trailer could be coming out as soon as tomorrow for the fourth film and now we have news in regards to this new film spinoff that is being titled Ballerina which is set to star Ana de Armas but now it seems like she's going to be having re enforcements from the main side of the John Wick franchise. Specifically, it was reported that both Ian McShane and also Keanu Reeves are set to reprise their roles in some capacity within this spinoff and it was reported and announced on Monday that principal photography for the film had begun in Prague and that as of right now according to the Collider report that broke the exclusive news that Keanu is going to be in this movie in some capacity is right now in Prague to shoot the film so if he's there right now on the first couple days of shooting that means he probably has some substantial role to play in this now he's not going to be the main role main character but that's going to be going on into Armin 
However, I do think Keanu is in, in probably going to have some kind of big role. And same thing with, with Ian McShay, who is all, his character is also going to be having a big role in that Continental spinoff show that is set to happen in the next couple of years as well. Now, Ian McShay is not going to play that role. That's going to be a prequel. But still, I think they're centering around these characters to kind of build off this universe. And when looking at these details again, when you get Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane back, I'm fine with it. I, I think that's the right move to make when it comes to the the spinoff films because I think one of the great things about just the, the, the first three John Wick films that have come out is not just the amazing action and the cool characters, but also, and it's from the first film really, this incredible surprising world building that John Wick did where it kind of introduces to this world of assassins and it's kind of this covert world that lives within our society and they have their kind of own lingo, their own currency, their own places that they stay, their own rules. And every single one of the John Wick films have been able to do a great job in building off of that kind of mythology and world building and introduce us to all these cool and new different things. And so it would make sense that you would want to make a continental prequel and based off of this ballerina film, which these kind of characters were introduced in the third John Wick film, it's interesting to kind of see a new faction of the assassin world within this kind of, of world and continue to build off with some of the things that maybe you weren't able to explore in the other John Wick films. So I think it's a it's a smart move. I'm really excited to see where they continue with this. And, and I think it's going to be, I think the, these two projects within Ballerina and the Continental are going to be very interesting to see how far fans are willing to go in expanding the John Wick universe. Are they going to want to see a TV show, uh, multiple different movies that don't star John Wick? I think these two projects are going to be very key in showcasing that. And I think it's a, it, there's a reason for why they're putting John Wick in these films is to continue to show that while maybe he's not the main focus, he is still a very much a part of this of these projects and of this universe and it's going to be very interesting to see if this ballerina film is going to be a prequel is it going to be a sequel set after the fourth john wick film is it going to be set between the first three movies i'm very curious to see where they place this film and where it falls in kind of conjuncture to the timeline and where certain events might go but in terms of getting on to armis involved with this i mean seeing her in something like the gray man or something like blade runner 2049 she is more than showcased or even no time to die she was amazing just the kind of small role that she had and just being an awesome action figure she knows how to kind of do that she did it in the gray man so she's perfect for this role and i think she's going to do a really good job with it and i'm excited to see hopefully that her and john wick kind of team up in this film and see where it goes we have no idea what the story is again the timeline none of it but just off of these merits and just off the track record of john wick you trust that the people behind it who have been a part of this universe know where they're going they've worked on these films for a while they've worked on these projects and it's gonna be very interesting to see now it doesn't have a release date yet but i'm sure given that it's filming right now probably take the rest of this year into next year probably get this film 2024 the earliest maybe 2025 latest so it's not right around the corner but in terms of of movie calendar releases we're we're almost we're, we're kind of peeking around the corner to getting this film in the not too distant future so what do you guys think about these details for the john wick spinoff film ballerina are you excited to see keanu reeves and ian mcshane come back to their respective roles in this film do you think it's the right move let me know what you think about the news and moving on over to some more news in regards to kind of big franchises that are kind of moving forward 
with potential spinoffs and and new installments within their universe. To really kind of no surprise, there was a report yesterday from Variety that Indiana Jones might be the latest from both Lucasfilm and the Disney Library to move from the big screen or kind of extend from the big screen onto the small screen and specifically onto the Disney streaming service, Disney Plus. And it seems like both Lucasfilm and The Mouse want to get some kind of Disney Plus show off the off the ground. And this is according to Variety, who broke the exclusive on it. This is what they had to say. The Mouse House and Lucasfilm have specifically been bringing up the possibility of a streaming show set in the world of the globetrotting archaeologists and general meetings with writers as of late. They are still looking for a writer to take on the project, thus no plot details are available. And again, that is according to Variety. And, and it is not known if this is going to be a prequel or sequel set after the highly anticipated Indiana Jones 5 that is set to kick off next year in June of 2023. When, uh, when thinking about this, again, like I said at the top, it's no surprise that Disney would be thinking about this. It, it, it makes sense that they would want to continue it. But the big question, of course, is it's not going to be with Harrison Ford because he has vehemently stated that Indiana Jones 5, rightly so, is going to be the last time that he's going to be putting on the hat and taking on the whip. And again, he's almost, I believe, 90 years old. He's he, I can't even believe that he was able to do this film and kind of the, the physicality that these roles take. And granted, he got injured on, on set, but he gets injured on all of his sets over the last couple of years on a lot of these big profile films that he does but it makes sense that he he just he just doesn't have to do this anymore and i think it makes sense for disney that Indiana Jones would spin off to a, a Disney Plus show and that they can kind of continue the franchise on from there and kind of continue to work to see what the future of the franchise might be post Harrison Ford. Now, the big question is, is this going to be, again, like I said before, a prequel or a sequel? Is this going to kind of be Disney's version of like the young Indiana Jones adventures, which were kind of a big hit back in the day? Or is it going to be something that is a sequel? And is it going to deal with a character like maybe Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character who is in Indiana Jones 5 or somebody that we haven't even met yet? So that to me is going to be very curious to see where they go with the story. But it doesn't even sound like they're there yet. It sounds like they're still looking for, for writers for this. But again, they've done this with Star Wars. They're going to do it with Willow. It, it makes sense that for Lucasfilm, this would be the next step in moving that forward. So we'll see what happens. I'm still looking for I'm still looking for my Indiana Jones trailer that came from D23. I'm still looking for that to come out, hopefully, before the end of the year is up, hopefully attached to something like an Avatar The Way of Water. But again, that is the focus right now. And, and after that, it's going to be very interesting to see where they take the franchise. But it's understandable that moving forward, that would be in the TV landscape before probably going back to the big screen. What do you guys think about this news? Let me know what you think about it down below. Low. And then moving on to from the, the world of, of movie news and sticking with news, but going to some trending trailers or one specific trending trailer that came out earlier today. And that is the second trailer for the Whitney Houston biopic film, I Want to Dance with Somebody, which will be directed by Casey Lemons, who directed the biopic film with Cynthia Grivo and Harriet a few years ago, which was pretty good. And this one is set to star Naomi Ackie in her first kind of leading role after her kind of breakout performance in a supporting role in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker as the one and only legendary singer herself in Whitney Houston. And 
and again, it, again, it's going to be. It seems like from the trailers, it's going to be very much a biopic detailing the the life and the legend of Whitney Houston, her career highlights, her successes, and of course, probably detail some of the troubles that she had in her life along the way. It is written by the writers who directed the hit movie of 2019 or 2018, excuse me, in Bohemian Rhapsody that had Rami Malek go on to win the Best Actor Award and, of course, was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars that same year. And it seems like that is kind of the big question nowadays when it comes to these big biopic films. And first off, again, the, the trailer lo- looks great. She looks amazing. Could it get Oscar contention, especially when you have somebody like that in a high-profile role? Maybe. I think at that point, the Oscar field could be a little bit crowded. It might be a little too little too late, especially since this film is coming out around the Christmas holiday, specifically December 23rd. Again, she could come out and break out late, but we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, she looks great. The film, I think, is going to touch on a lot of people who are big Whitney Houston fans. The the, 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 the songs are in the trailer, so that's going to hit on a lot of buttons. But the big question, like uh, kind of bringing it back to it, is when it comes to these biopic films, a lot of people have been trying to reach for that Bohemian Rhapsody sense where that film just shot out of a cannon. It, you had a lot of the big Queen fans kind of come out and, and a lot of big fans of music overall come out and enjoy that film and it was really kind of a big success that nobody really saw coming grossing over 800 900 million dollars at the box office almost hitting a billion dollars worldwide at the box office and a lot of people have been trying to replicate that the only one that has come close to doing that was the following year in rocket man and that didn't even really kind of scratch the surface of what bohemian rhapsody kind of did and i think a big part of that is because that 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 film was rated PG-13 in Bohemian and, and Rockman was very much more rated R and kind of was a little bit more of a darker tale on the on the world of Elton John. And I think one of the big backlashes of Bohemian is that while it 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 was fun and it celebrated Queen and it celebrated Freddie Mercury, it wasn't a full-on dissection of what I think a lot of people wanted to see from Freddie Mercury and Queen. And and it, it was kind of a paint by brush biopic in, in a way. And I think that's been the problem for a lot of these films over the last couple years, even when you look at something like Respect, which I think Jennifer Hudson did a really good job in that film, but that was another one that was kind of paint by numbers and didn't really hit as much in the month of August. And I think with Rockman coming out in Memorial Day weekend didn't do really well for it either financially, even though I think it was well more better received than Bohemian was, especially by critics. I don't know how I want to dance with somebody is is going to do. Is it going to be something that explores a little bit more of her struggles while also celebrating all the achievements that she did? I'm not really getting that from the trailers. It seems very much more like a celebration, which is fine. And if that's the movie that they're going to make, that's great. And I think it could do really, really well. But I just I don't know how it's going to come across. I think for for critics, I think fans are going to love it and enjoy it because it hits a lot of those points of the right beats with the music and the performance. And I'm really excited for Naomi Ake. I cannot wait to see what she does. I'm hoping that she breaks out from this and she gets a lot more opportunities in other roles going forward from this. This is the, this is the kind of role that does that for upcoming actors and actresses. So I'm hoping that for her. And I think having the Whitney Houston estate will help you because you're granted all this material. But it could deter people from the perception of, is this, again, going to be paint by numbers? Is this going to be a more favorable 
portrayal of Whitney Houston. And that's not to say that she did anything bad, but she did have a lot of dark points in her life. And I, and I think that's one of the things that movies like that don't really explore, which is why I credit something like Rocket Man, where Elton John was a part of that production all the way through. But he allowed the movie and Dexter Fletcher and, and, Ter- and Taron Egerton to really kind of show him warts and all and everything that he went through as a young adult in his success. And I don't, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that we get a good balance of that with this movie. But if we don't, then I think I'll still enjoy it. I mean, I still get goosebumps watching the last 30 minutes of Bohemian. And, and I think the rest of the movie is and compared to those 30 minutes. But we'll see what happens w- with this film. And again, will it get Oscar love? I'm not sure. Will it be a big box office hit? I do think that it will have better success because one of the other elements of Bohemian was that I think it benefited from coming out during the holiday time frame. It came out around mid to late November of 2018. And I think that was a huge, uh, huge benefactor for them. And I think for this movie, I think it'll be a great counter programming the following week after Avatar The Way of Water comes out and also great counter programming for Black Panther Wakanda Forever which we'll get into in a little bit on the podcast but I do think that this film could do really well in the tail end of 2022 into 2023 when there's really not a whole lot of stuff coming out in January so we'll see but again I think the trailer hit for a lot of places I liked Naomi Aki in this I'm excited to see what she does and I'm interested to see where this film goes from here what do you guys think about I Want to Dance of somebody are you looking forward to it aren't you not let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and that will do it for the news portion of the podcast today and before i get into the final segment that is the weekend preview i do want to kind of throw back the time machine time machine a little bit and go back about 10 years to this date and i know it's not a throwback thursday it's not thursday it's a wednesday but still i think it is a worthy celebration to know the 10 year anniversary for the 23rd installment in the James Bond franchise, and that is, of course, 2012's Skyfall, which is directed by Sam Menendez and, of course, starred Daniel Craig in his third outing as 007 himself. It also starred Judi Dench, Dame Judi Dench, Javier Bardem. It also had a great cast and included people like Naomi Harris in it as well and Ray Fiennes, and it was, it's one of those films that has an incredible story from the very beginning in in making these films. It was one of those films that just had production hell from, or really kind of pre-production hell from the very beginning. It all started after the sluggish success of Quantum of Solace from 2008, which was, of course, the sequel that was coming off of the hit that was Casino Royale. And because of the writer's strike, they tried to get Quantum of Solace going, but because of the of the writing and it just wasn't working, it came off of a sluggish performance. And so Skyfall was, was really, there was a lot of pressure on it to kind of rebound, but because of the studio that was attached to it, which was MGM... They were in a lot of in a little bit of a financial pickle. They were potentially about to go bankrupt. People were wondering if, if James Bond would be over with. Would anyone take on the franchise? They were asked to hold production because that there was really no money that they could get to fund the production, and it was really a big question. I remember getting that was really when I was getting into movie news and and really kind of getting Entertainment Weekly magazines. And one of the first ones that I ever really got as a subscriber was one questioning: Is James Bond 
Pokemon dead? Is the franchise actually kaput? And is this film ever going to get made? And it was kind of miraculous that a few years later, that's exactly what happened. And the fast 180 turnaround this film had is astonishing from going from wondering if this franchise would ever be whatever happened again if there would be a future for it the turnaround was it became the most successful entry in the franchise to date even with specter coming out the following couple years and even after last year's no time to die no skyfall is still the highest grossing bond film of all time the only film to gross over a billion dollars at the box office for this franchise it wasn't even just more of a financial hit it was also a huge critical hit as well really kind of returning the franchise to to form and and was also to add to the pressure it was coming out on the 50th celebration of the franchise overall and it was a great kind of throwback to the classic bond films but also kind of keeping it modern and what made the craig film so great and kind of making it a more grounded realistic bond especially during that time time frame of 2012 when it came to kind of of spyware and 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 technology and, and hacking and and hacking people's personal accounts and things like that with snowden it was all kind of all that kind of came together for this film and it had a phenomenal villain in Javier Bardem who I remember at the time was getting some awards awards consideration and even got a SAG a Screen Actors Guild nomination for Best Supporting Actor for his turn turn as as Silva and I think he was a great counterpoint to to Daniel Craig's Bond I think the personal relationship between M and Bond was great and of course the big twist at the end was having Judi Dench's M pass on and then at the ending of that film kind of go back to the classic roots of the Sean Connery Bonds where you had the Ashton Martin, the old kind of looking MI6 with the double doors. You had Naomi you had Naomi Harris's Money Penny. All that was just kind of old classic Bond and it turned from something that could have been a disaster to I think an all-time classic Bond film and it was just an absolutely amazing film. It was one of my favorites in 2012 and I still look back on that film I think it has some great locations the cinematography between Roger Deakins and Sam Mendes that relationship that was the first film that I saw the two the pair of them work on together and it was just a great experience and it's one that I still go back to over and over and over again it's my second favorite of the Daniel Craig Bond films I still go Casino Royale Skyfall No Time to Die Spectre and then Quantum of Solace for me but again this is this was an amazing film and and again, for all the controversy, all the all the potential hardships and bad times that they went through with this, making this movie, especially again with the financial situation and who was the studio that was backing them, this it was a true money maker for them, and it really turned out well. So a happy 10 year anniversary to Skyfall and all of its great success, and it is on Amazon Prime and also on Netflix if you want to check it out on digital right now. And then for the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is of course again like I'd like to do every week that I'm on the podcast is preview the weekend ahead and boy do we have a weekend ahead in terms of movies after kind of a quiet weekend last last week with a lot of streaming films coming out 
this weekend is kind of the true banger that theaters have been looking for to kind of get back to a big box office push this weekend. And of course, we all know the big one that is going to be over-encompassing for pretty much the rest of November into December and for the rest of the year. We'll get to Black Panther Wakanda Forever in a little bit, but I do want to shout out some of the other films that are coming out this weekend, both in theaters and on streaming. If you are checking out Black Panther Wakanda Forever, if you want some good counter-programming, if you're in the city this weekend, it is coming out limited but more wide around the end of November, and that is the latest from Steven Spielberg himself, The Fablemans. It's directed by Steven Spielberg, who is the goat of directing. It was co-written by him and Tony Kushner, who both of them are coming off of the hit, or at least for me, the critical hit that was West Side Story last year, which was my favorite film of 2021. And so they're following that up with this film, which is basically an autobiographical look on Steven Spielberg's life. Now, they don't use Steven Spielberg's name, but it very much is following his early childhood rise to falling in love with filmmaking and what got him to become the director that he is today, what ignited his passions, what was his family life like, and that he gets into that, and the trailer has looked absolutely incredible. The, the, the reviews for this one have been amazing. This seems like right now to be the best picture frontrunner and the frontrunner potentially for best director for Steven Spielberg, which in my life, I've never seen Steven Spielberg be the frontrunner this early on during award season. Will it last? Who knows? But right now, this seems to be the overall favorite to win the big prizes at the 95th Annual Academy Award. Again, the preview, to me, I didn't even see the film yet, but the preview drove me to, to tears. I was I was welling up a little bit. It, it's, it's a true passion project for him, I think, for a lot of aspiring directors and filmmakers and people who love movies. This is the kind of film to go and check out. It's got a phenomenal cast that includes Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen is in this movie. He, it, it's just an absolutely incredible cast to go alongside this picture. So if you are in the city or in LA, it's playing four theaters in those two markets right now. Usually that's what they do to kind of get the award season push going. And this is just going to continue that. So if you're not seeing Black Panther Wakanda forever this weekend, that is definitely one to go check out as well. And then another film that I want to talk about before going, of course, to the big item on the weekend, that is a film that is going to be on Apple TV Plus next weekend, November 18th, but it's in select theaters right now or in select theaters this weekend, and that is Spirited, which is set to star Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and Octavia Spencer. And it's one that I talked about last week when the first trailer came out. And again, it looks like, I think especially during the holiday times, it's going to be one that people might want to check out on streaming, but it's seems like one that is going to be a take on the holiday classic A Christmas Carol story that is going to be a little bit more modern, maybe a little bit of a different take on that story. And it seems like, well, Farrell's going to be one of the ghosts of, of, of Christmas past or present. And then Will, and then Ryan Reynolds is playing that kind of Scrooge character. And it looks like fun. It, again, I think if you're looking for something new on the holiday docket to go alongside the Christmas classics that you usually watch around this time of year, I think this seems like one that you could potentially add onto your list as well. So those are the two that I would recommend checking out this weekend. That's not the main item on that list. Of course, the main item on this weekend. And again, like I said before, that's probably going to take over for the rest of this year. And that is, of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And there is a lot of stuff circulating this film. It is, of course, coming off of the mammoth that was the first film back in 2018, one of the highest grossing films of all time, one of the highest grossing superhero flicks 
of all time. But on top of that, it was an absolutely cultural phenomenon being the first ever kind of comic book superhero film that featured a majority a majority African-American cast. It was one that kind of reignited that you could have diversity within big franchise films, and Black Panther was kind of the reasoning for that, and and it really kind of pushed a lot of careers moving forward. It made a superstar out of the late, great Chadwick Boseman. It it made superstars out of people like Nupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Letitia Wright, and so there was a lot of anticipation going into when are we going to get a Black Panther 2? And for the longest time, Ryan Coogler was in the works writing it and, and getting the idea and the story figured out. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. But even more than the pandemic was the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, the leader of that entire franchise, and from who passed away at the age of 42 from, from colon cancer. And then, of course, came the big question in the gaping hole surrounding this is what do you do without the leader of that? And Ryan Coogler had the unprecedented task of creating a whole new story, rallying the cast, rallying the crew, and coming back and working on a follow-up to one of the most successful comic book films of, of all time. And the trailers have looked absolutely phenomenal for this movie. It seems like it is delivering on an even more epic scale than the first film was even could have, could have dreamt of happening. You're introducing famous comic book characters like Namor into the mix, and you're kind of of of, of retooling his his identity a little bit, which I think works in kind of exploring the the Mesoamerican kind of a culture and heritage and mind culture and in the Latino community and kind of pushing forward more about the inclusion dynamic. In, in Hollywood, and so you have all that kind of going with it. So a lot of pressure on this guy, and again, to focus on honoring also the late, great Chadwick Boseman, honoring who he was, the leader, but also pushing this franchise forward. I wouldn't wish this on, on anybody, but it seems like from the critical response, it seems like he succeeded. As of right now, it has around a 90, 90 plus percent percentile on the critics score on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Even before the trailers came out, this was on a lot of people's highly anticipated highly anticipated lists and it's going to be very interesting to see what the box office is going to be for this movie and as of right now according specifically to deadline they are projecting that black panther wakanda forever could come in at around 175 and 185 million dollars domestically it could make around 180 million dollars plus internationally and could end up with an opening weekend worldwide total of 355 to 365 million dollars now as of right now the highest grossing opening weekend of the year so far does belong in the marvel cinematic universe but it belongs to doctor strange and the multiverse of madness which grossed 187 million dollars at the world at the opening weekend box office here domestically and it seems like right now the initial projections could have black panther wakanda forever faltering towards that however i think and i, and I said this a couple weeks ago and i'm going to hammer out what my box office projection and my box office prediction is this weekend i think that when you account for the advanced ticket sales when you account for i think there's going to be a lot of walk up walk up business for this movie that people are going to go to the box office to their theaters and see this movie 
I think it's going to out exceed that. I think it's going to outperform expectations for this film. I think it's going to overextend on what the results for the first Black Panther did, which that opening weekend had a $202 million three-day opening. And since it opened around President's Day weekend, it had around $242 million over the four-day. I don't think it's going to get to 240. I don't think it's going to make 260, which Spider-Man No Way Home made last year around the end of 2021. But I do think this is going to overperform over the original film. And I do think it's going to overextend and out-exceed initial projections and make around $210 million at the box office this weekend. I think this is going to be another phenomenon where everyone's going to be rallying around this film. And there was a comparison that was made. I think it's very true. And I think it's going to be 10 times more with this than it was back in 2015 when Furious 7 came out. And there was really kind of this rally around the the death of Paul Walker. And a lot of people were wondering, what is Universal, what is the franchise James Wan? What are they going to do to honor Paul Walker, to honor his character and send him off? And I think there's a lot of questions, not just with what's the story going to be, who's the next Black Panther, but how do you honor Chadwick Boseman? How do you continue on with this franchise after you lose its centerpiece? And I think all of that is going to come together. And I think this is just going to this is going to be the beginning of an of a incredible run for this film. And I think for some people. People that were on the fence with Marvel over the last couple of months between Thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel. I think this film is going to right the course once again and get people that maybe were skeptical back onto the Marvel train and showcase that, yeah, we might go a little bit more light and goofy, but if you want serious, we can get serious. And I think Black Panther is going to be the shining example this year of proving that, that they can still change it up, mix things up and, and, and have diversity within their own franchise of doing different kind of genres and films and tones. And after kind of being funny and light for a couple months, we're going to be going full on serious and, and bring the tissues for this one. So I think this is going to be a huge hit this weekend. I think it's going to be the business that theaters have been hoping for since the summer movie season season ended. Even though Black Adam has been performing okay, it hasn't over-indexed. It hasn't been knocking it out of the park like I think they were potentially thinking it might. So this is really the first main blockbuster since really Thor Love and Thunder and Nope and Bullet Train that is, I think, going to do really, really well for theaters. And I think a big question for this one is going to be, is this film going to stay at number one till Avatar The Way of Water? And when we look at the weekends ahead for Black Panther, you have potentially one two, four weekends, uh, five weekends, four to five weekends really of, I mean, there, there are some films that could maybe do well. I mean, maybe Strange World, which is another Disney film could knock it off just because at that point, maybe there, it, the, the legs of this film kind of dissipate a little bit more as the weekends go on. But if the film is as good as people are saying it is, if people love the film and are entertained, even at its almost three hour runtime, which comes in around two hours and 40 minutes with credits, could it it could still do very very well and stay at number one because there's nothing in the middle in the beginning of december that could really challenge it nothing on december 9th this this could very well be the number one movie until the next major disney movie of the or really the last major disney film of the year comes out in avatar the way of water so i'm very curious to see how the legs are going to be for this film 
after its opening weekend. We know it's going to do huge business this weekend. The question is going to be, how much is it going to do? Is it going to perform around the current expectations? Is it going to overperform? That's usually what it comes down to with comic book films right now when it comes to opening weekend. But the question is, what are the legs going to look like? What is the buzz going to be for audiences after that initial opening weekend? So this is going to be a fascinating case study. Um, I'm very excited for this one. I'm going to see it on Friday. So I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Really excited to see what it's going to be for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But this is the big one. This is what people have been circling for the last couple of months to really kind of write the train once again with the box office and one that people have been looking forward to since 2018 or really 2020 when the the, the tragic passing Chadwick Boseman happened and wondering how is this franchise going to move forward? Who's going to take on the mantle of Black Panther? What's it going to look like? How What, what are we going to do? And I think this film seems to answer that in, in more ways than none. It's already getting Oscar buzz, not just for not just for the, the, the picture, which could earn another Best Picture spot, which is another big thing. It was the first comic book film to ever have a Best Picture nomination doing what Dark Knight and even Logan could not do. So can it do well at, at awards expectations? There's already been a huge buzz for the picture. There's also been a huge buzz and, 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 and wave of support for Angela Bassett to potentially get an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. So it's all there. It, there's a lot of expectations for this one. And it's going to be great to see it either perform at the at the level that we expected to or shine above everything else and outperform even everyone's wildest expectations and it's going to be very exciting to see what this film is going to be able to do when it releases on November 11th but of course preview opening night times are starting tomorrow on November 10th so really tomorrow it all begins and it's going to be a wild ride to see how it all shapes together so again those are the films to check out this weekend again Black Panther Wakanda Forever the Fablemans in limited theaters but will have a more global footprint when it does come out later in the month specifically on December or not not December excuse me November 23rd and also if you're looking for another film to check out when it comes out next week that is Spirited on Apple TV Plus November 18th but it is in select theaters right now as well so again Black Panther Wakanda Forever The Fablemans and Spirited are the ones that I would preview to go check out this weekend so what do you guys think are there any other films that I didn't mention that you would want to see on the weekend and preview which films are you excited to see are you excited to see Black Panther Forever or The Fablemans let me know what you think about that in my social media posts. I'd love to see what you guys comment about as well. But with that down and out of the way, that will be it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, make sure to check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And 
also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.